Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big books study. My name is Anita J and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, February 18th, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 33, beginning with the first paragraph. Today's readers are Rita P. on the 12 Steps, Naomi B. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text for us this morning are Julie, are Terry H., Rachel N.M., and Julie um, R. The reference numbers for Wednesday, February 17, 2016, is 8469. Nine, eight, four, six, nine, and the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. And our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now um, ask Rita P. to read the OA 12 steps for us. Good morning, morning, everybody. This is Rita P., compulsive overeater from Arkansas. Number one, we admitted that we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number 11, sought through prayer and meditation to 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you very much, Rita. And now I will ask Naomi B. to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning, Naomi. Anita, did you call on me? I was unmuting myself. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry about that, dear. Sorry about that. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Naomi B., a a recovered compulsive overeater, grateful recovered. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except the matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has been has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, <clears throat> Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to serve, and I pass. Thank you very much, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the direction in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. 
Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book and we are now on page 33 um, and I hear an echo. I don't, I'm not sure how, why that's happening. Uh, but we are on, maybe it's just my phone, I don't know. Page 33, the very first paragraph, and um, I've asked Terry H. to read. She'll be reading two paragraphs, the first one for context only, and she will direct her sharing to the second paragraph. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could therefore drink normally. But here is a man who was at 55 years found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety during short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservations of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we'll, we will be immune to alcohol. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it because none of them really want to stop and hardly one of them, because of a peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, have been drinking only a few years but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. And um, this paragraph, I'm going to set my timer. Um, this, this is, um, once again, this is, you know, a powerful paragraph for me. Um, so, again, they're, they're trying to smash home what my real problem is, the, my, my, true, my real true nature of my disease, which is the mental obsession, the peculiar mental twist, you know, they talk about, which is already quiet. So, you know, these young people, we just get done reading the men of, men of 30 who stayed, you know, uh, sober for 25 years. So, you know, they're going to smash home that, um, they're going to destroy the idea that even age or gender or time is, is, is not going to, you know, is, is not going to help me um, from this disease if, if, you know, if I have this real thing. And they're going to smash home that, um, that m- what my real problem is, is the, um, the obsession of the mind, because once you know, once I put the food in, you know, my alcoholic foods, you know, set off this physical craving, you know. And if food was my problem, then diets would work. And um, you know, for someone like me, you know, the word diet is in diets, and um, that's why they never work because I have both. I have the physical, you know, and um, when I put it in, you know, can I stop? And when I when I'm not eating, can I stop? So. Um, this is going to help me. Um, they're going to smash home the idea that if I have both of these, then um, then my problem is um, beyond human aid, and that um, you know the book is going to help me see what happens to me, you know, once the food is out of my system, and um, you know that mental state of mind before I pick up the first bite. So, thanks for letting me share, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, uh, Terry H. Now, who else would like to comment on this important paragraph? Sally? Katie D. from Boston. Larry? Sally, Katie D., Larry, G., Melissa, Tina S., 
Kim C. Alyssa C. And Kim C. Just a minute. There was a somebody between Melissa and Kim. Cindy P. What? Cindy P? Yes, thank you. Cindy P. Tina S. And Tina S. All right, let's go with uh, that. That's a nice little line up here. Um, (laughs) Good morning, Sally. Please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for hearing my voice. Good morning. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Sally. Let me just turn on my clock here. Sally A. recovered in South Jersey, and I want to speak about this mental twist. I've been giving this a lot of thought lately about the, the peculiar mental twist. And, you know, um, as Terry so beautifully put, uh, we know that this is the crux of the matter. We, we see that on the pop, top of page 35. It tells us, so we shall describe some of the mental states that precede a relapse into drinking, or in our case, binging, or whatever the behavior is. For obviously, this is the crux of the matter, the mental state. And so I've been thinking about this mental twist that we see. They talk about this mental twist on page 42, page 92, um, so many other places. But what I'm realizing lately myself is that there are two key features for this mental twist that I was living with. I, I look back on the many, many years in this in this program that I was mostly fixated and focused on getting abstinent. I was always focused on putting my foods down that I knew I had an allergy of my body that was sugar and flour and a host of other things, but I was not paying attention to the mental aspect of my disease. And the crux of the matter, the mental twist, as it turns out for me, that I've been able to clearly see is, number one, that I was living in the past or in the future but I was never staying in the moment or in the present. I was not living in today. I was either upset about what happened to me in the past, what I said, what I did, what they said, what they did, and I had full of all these resentments from the past, or I was fixated, on, uh, driven by a hundred forms of fear of what could happen in the future, be it tomorrow or next year or, or the next century of my life, literally four centuries away. I was scared of retirement. I was scared of who was going to take care of me. I was driven by the future. I was driven by the resentment of the past and the fear of the future, but I was not living in today. And that is a huge feature of that mental twist, which is why it's so powerful what we do with our, with our inventories and our fourth step and then eventually living in 10, 11, 12. The other thing about this mental twist that, that I'm learning about myself is, um, oh goodness, it just like flew out of my head, the second feature of this, uh, of who I was for so many years in this uh, mental twist. I guess it'll come back to me tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. I passed. Thank you, Sally. Uh, and Kim G. from Boston. Please go ahead. Hi, this, by is, Larry. This, is, this is Katie G. from Boston. Oh, that's who I meant. Yes, that's Katie. okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. no worries. I will remember for you, I promise. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, let me get my timer, guys. This is Katie G. Recovered Compulsible Reader Anorexic and Bulimic. Um, so I was talking about something with my sponsee this morning that was particularly relevant is we all have these war stories, right? And um, mine are pretty cool. I like to think, right? Like I always like to be sicker than the rest. I've been 228 pounds, 110 pounds, Ipecac, laxatives, 
you know, like throwing up in the middle of the street on a sunny day and eating food, you know, out of the trash and not eating food and, you know, um, gorging and being so anorexic that, you know, I wanted to die and like chewing so much gum that, you know, I was farting incessantly and couldn't be in your presence. Like all of that is absolutely pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Amen to that, right? But that's not the insane thing, right? The insane thing is after eight years of abstinence and doing the steps that I got so blocked by the bondages of KDG from Boston that eating was a step up from my thinking. Why? Because I was driven by my fears, driven that you're going to leave me, so I'm going to reject you first, driven that I'm going to fail, so I'm not even going to try to go to grad school because I'm too stupid and I can't do it, driven that I'm never going to find love, so settling for inappropriate relationships, and driven by not being good enough. So trying to convert my, my, my religions. And again, you know, looking for human powers to save me. And the lies and fears get all messed up in my head so that I have false psychotic belief, delusional thinking that it's not going to hurt me again. Guys, somebody who's my age, 37, who's had my career in eating and not eating and starving and drinking and drugs and hostage shaking, if I look at the facts, that food should stay away from me. I'm allergic to sulfa. It's the first thing I tell an ambulance driver. Do not give me sulfa. Do not give me latex. Keep me away. And thank God today, you know, especially in Mexico, no flour, no sugar, no alcohol. You know, keep it away from me. I will get very, very sick, right? But the other part that I am responsible for every day, even this in this recovered state, guys, guess what? KDG from Boston still needs her sense that because I fill up with self and I need to get back to God because God is my medication. So I stay entirely abstinent. I work every single tool so I can live every single step every single day and stay away from my false psychotic beliefs. And with that, I do pass. One more day, guys. Thank you so much. And now, uh, Larry, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, Larry. Are you there, Larry? Yoo-hoo. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Sorry, can you hear me now? I certainly can now. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Anita. Thanks, Larry K. Recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, the uh, you know the one of the words that pops off the page for me this morning is gravely, you know, um, someone who's who's gravely injured. You know what, what we mean is that they've been injured to to a degree where where there is uh, you know, there is a, a high probability probability that they're going to die. You know, so for example, if you've been stabbed in the chest, God forbid, right, and you, and your heart's been pierced. The likelihood of surviving that experience is, is infinitely small. Your condition is grave. 
So here we read that to be gravely affected, one does not have to, to drink a long time or take the quantity some of us have. In other words, perhaps, you know, we can reach our bottom sooner by simply putting the shovel down. You know, once we stop digging, the bottom comes up to meet us. And just because I never reached the, the level, level of morbid obesity that, that, that some of our members have, you know, the five, six hundred, hundred pounds, doesn't mean that those physical symptoms um, are available to me. You know, and, and um, for me, you know, uh, you know, even looking at a bulimic, they, they don't have to vomit their way to the intensive care unit you know, to nonetheless be gravely, gravely affected. So the sooner a person can say, you know, my name is so-and-so and I am, uh, say, an anorexic bulimic, I am a compulsive overeater, the sooner they're likely to use their fingers to open the big book rather than, you know, maybe, you know, using their fingers to purge themselves of their last binge. So remember, there must be no reservation of any kind. You know, we, we read that. You know, no, no, no more expression of doubt. See, if I, if I walk like a duck and I talk like a duck, guess what? You know, I, I'm probably a damn duck. <laughs> you know, I'm no swan over here in Chicago. And, and the sooner that I accept that I'm a duck, you know, the sooner I'm going to pick up that, you know, that spiritual, you know, duck kit laid at my webbed feet. I mean, I have to pick up these, 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 these tools. And I can't do that, nor will I have the wherewithal to do that as long as I don't accept who I am and I can't admit to myself who I am. So that starts with step one. You know, we know we're powerless. Our lives have become unmanageable. But do we really accept it? Do we really believe that? Well, the evidence, you know, I would tell people I believe that, but the evidence is in my actions because all action is born in thought. And so the evidence is in my actions. Am I willing to pick up the spiritual toolkit and apply the principles through the working of the steps or not? It's really up to me. It's it's an action deal here, folks. It's an action deal. So grateful for this program. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Um, I was thinking you looked more like a pigeon, but I don't think so. Forgive me. Melissa C., you are now up. Hi, good morning. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, thank you so much. Listening to um, everybody's name (laughs) coming in, I don't know how the moderator, I don't know how you keep track and catch everybody's name. so I'm just grateful that you caught mine this morning. Um, you know, I'm thinking about, like, the beautiful arrogance of youth and how, um, you know, thinking I knew everything and um, and how that really, um, you know, that, that attitude is what really kept me in bondage perhaps so much longer, um, but I guess precisely as long as it was meant to be, you know. Um, and... And that really, there's like a, a, a cruel twist, not only the mental twist, but the fact that the possibility of stopping um, before it's uh, so horrendous exists. And yet, that's when it was still sort of fun and useful. And so the only chance for me that I 
maybe could have stopped, I don't know, was before um, it, it reached the devastating pain. And yet, who would want to stop when it was still somewhat enjoyable and useful? You know, and I'm thinking like, um, you know, for me, like in my in my younger years, um, you know, I just really wanted to be normal. And I could look for evidence around me because um, I was so skillful at choosing people that, um, you know, <laughs> behaved in inappropriate ways too. So what it looked like I was doing was normal. You know, and so I wanted to have this life of pizza with my friends or, you know, even if they overate. And yet for me that slice meant um, that I was going to eat the pie alone, cold, when everybody wasn't around, you know. And then, and that partying with my friends was enjoyable when I was young because everybody was going to pay out afterwards. Only they stopped and I didn't, you know. It continued until... Um, you know, until I physically was so sick. And, you know, and so my chances of stopping um, before it wasn't painful, you know, it just didn't exist for me. I needed I needed the pain. And yet I'm so grateful today that my weight was indicative of a big problem. I didn't have to say, did I really have this? Do I really have this? For me, it was really clear weighing over 300 pounds. Um, you know, yes, I have this. And, um, you know, and today I, my body resembles more of a normal person's body, but my mind is still broken. You know, I still need daily treatment. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. And um, Cindy P., please go ahead. Cindy? Much. Press star one, Cindy P. Can you hear me? Uh, now I can, yes. Go ahead. Cindy, now I can't hear you. What happened? Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Just keep going. Okay, thank you. I'm Cindy P. I am a recovering compulsive overeater from Kansas, and this is my first time coming on, so thank you for everybody being here. Um, you know, I just never realized how much uh, I was just fooling myself. I have been close to 400 pounds and tried probably everything in the book. And for me to finally admit that I am a compulsive overeater, I just couldn't do it. Uh, you know, I come from an alcoholic family and I see how that affects everything. And I just didn't think that this weight was the same, was on the same plane as an alcoholic. And I finally have, and that's a hard thing to admit. So I 
so appreciate this because I listen to you all every morning on my way to work, and I'm working on step four, and I, I am just so glad to be here. I feel like I'm at home. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Cindy P. And I was going to say to you, Cindy, welcome home. So I'm glad you feel that way. And um, Kim G., it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Because none of them really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because, because of the pure mental twist already acquired, will find that he can win out. So, you know, for years I thought food and weight was my problem. And if really food was my problem, then abstinence is the answer. So if I'm two weeks abstinent, two months abstinence, two years abstinence, no allergy at all, why am I picking up? Why would I choose to go back to what I know that would kill me? It's because of that mental twist. That's what my problem is. If I am sober and making the decision to drink, my problem cannot be the body. So my human resources, as marshaled by my willpower, were not sufficient. It failed me utterly over and over again. You know, we're told on page 62 that moral and philosophical convictions galore. I could not live up to them even if I'd wanted to. So why, what is that mental twist? How do I get unblocked? That's the whole purpose of the steps. Going through the steps 1 through 12 and in order is what's going to give me the ability to get unblocked so that a power greater than me can remove that mental twist. You know, I often hear people say, well, the solution is I have to live in 10, 11, and 12. And that is true. And if that's my solution, you know, why not just put down the food and live in 10, 11, and 12? Because I can't do that because I'm still blocked. If I'm blocked, how can I have access to a power in 10 and 11? If that were true, then why not we just work the steps as 1, 2, 10, 11, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. They're numbered for a reason because I need the process of 1 through 9 to get unblocked because that's when I'm promised that mental twist, that obsession will be removed by a power greater than me. If I try to work 10 and 11 before I'm unblocked, what I'm doing is I'm using my own willpower to try to cure the mental twist. I see so many people doing that. I picked up two days ago that I'm trying to work my inventory. I'm trying to do my 10 and 11. You're marshalling your own will. To me, that's like picking up a math book and saying, well, I'm going to do addition, subtraction, calculus. Then I'm going to go back and I'm going to learn multiplication and division. That doesn't work in math. And it doesn't work in the 12 steps. That mental twist is there until I get a connection with a higher power. How can I get the connection with a higher power? I work steps 1 through 9. I get unblocked. How do I stay unblocked? I live in 10, 11, and 12. That is my experience. Check your own experience. Is trying to work the steps in the food working? Is trying to work 10 and 11 when you're, un- when you're blocked working? They're letting us know that mental twist is what's going to bring us back to the food every single time. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Tina S., it's your turn. Thanks, Nita. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic uh, in Florida. I heard so many really, really good shares this morning, like every other morning. And, uh, you know, what I can really relate to in this paragraph is that, you know, I really was uh, encouraged by everyone's experience. You know, and um, 
But I also knew that, uh, you know, that I wasn't that bad. And you talk about the mental twist, you know, I thought, yeah, I always compared myself. You know, I'm not that bad when I get that bad. And um, and it also says, you know, but could not do it on my own. And, you know, and I thought, oh, I can still, you know, I have some other options to continue to try. And, you know, so for compulsive eating, the solution was uh, anorexia, you know, and um, and what I what I know today that uh, lack of power is my dilemma. And, um, you know, I always thought it was my weight, what I looked like, you know, so I still had another something else up my sleeve and until all else failed, you know, until I was, you know, completely defeated and, and until I, I could not do anything more, you know, was I willing to look for something bigger than me to take care of this problem. And that's my only option today, you know, and, um, and I'm not perfect by any means and I love what was shared. The solution for me is the 12 steps. I've tried every other thing, never got the results. The success today is working the 12 steps one day at a time and all 12. And I love that 10, 11, and 12 too, but I know that there's nine before it. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens, and I say this over and over because it's true for me, no matter what happens in my day, you know, I don't have to go back to the old way. You know, I have a power today that keeps me abstinent, keeps me sane, which is the good news. And then, therefore, I'm, I'm able to be of service. And, um, and, you know, that's not something I ever wanted. You know, I just wanted the body, the looks, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And as I'm older today, you know, I got abstinent initially when I was 30. I'm now 58. And those do not matter. And what matters is uh, that I, I am right side and that that'll pass. And thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Let's have a couple more before we move on. This is Janice. Janice Am. Jan- Janice. This is Bail T. This is Bella. Can I Janice share? Janice uh, Gail T and Bella. Sharon H. Sharon H. Um, I'll see if we um, let's see Sharon H. And there was who else was that in Colorado? Sharon H. In Colorado. Sharon. Oh, Gary okay. B. Uh, you may be sharing on the second paragraph. Let's see how how this goes. Um, Janice, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Pardon me, you can hear me? Yes, perfectly. Okay, I'm going to just comment a little differently on the young people may be encouraged. Well, you know, I don't know about you, but when I was young, many years ago, you know, I thought, well, alcoholics, they've been drinking for a long time. So or my grandmother's been eating for a long time, and she's a compulsive overeater, but I'm just young. I'm still young. So I don't have that yet. You know, of course, I didn't say yet. I said, well, it can't be me. I can't be a compulsive overeater, you know, because uh, I'm young. I'm young. I can stop when I want to. But, you know, I think today, if we look at bring it up to today, obesity in children is rampant. And why is it rampant? Well, I mean, you know, the same culture, same the same years, um, it's us, me, as a mother, as a mother, if I am obese and I'm still doing what I w- did in the past, I'm not even an example for my children. I'm not going to, you know, I can't make them recovered, but I can be the attraction for children. And if they don't have this attraction, <laughs> they're just going to go on and on and on, not that, they're, they're, you know, they're going to get it. But, you see, I used to, when I was young, I used to compare. And even when I got into OA uh, 30 years ago, I compared. 
and I think that's what young people are doing today is we're com- they're, they're comparing and they're not identifying in. So if they had the attraction of a mother or whoever they lived with, because um, I didn't have any examples. I had no attraction when I was young. Um, you know, they were eating, and that was love, to eat. The more you eat, the more you love, you know. And coming from a, um, living in a bakery, um, you know, that's what you do. So they didn't have it, so they couldn't give it to me. So I believe, you know, the obesity today, even in chin- it's the generation of children today that are obese, you know. Um, we have to be one example for young people because children are dying of this disease, not only us. We're not the only ones that are dying, but children, you know, with diabetes and all that. So, of course, they're not desperate enough yet. But if they do have some guidance and they're brought up with saying, you know, and talking about the mind and how you think, you know, maybe the seed will be planted. And I think that's so, so important. The seed will be planted, and uh, hopefully there will be some success. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. And uh, Gail T., and then after that, Bella and everyone will read on the comment on the second paragraph. So go ahead, uh, Gail. Okay, thank you. This is Gail T. in Central Texas, recovered and very grateful to be a part of the visionary community. And thank you for your service, Anita. Uh, I'm backed when I was 17. That's a long time ago. And I entered college. And I lived in a dormitory, and that's when my binging really started. I came from, not my father, but my mother was constantly watching her weight and made me conscious of watching my weight. And I went on a really big, healthy diet, I think in my senior year, and I lost 10 pounds. And that was all I needed to lose. And that, and when I got into college, I start the food in the dormitory was so starchy, and they would serve so many sweets. And I was not really a big sweet person, but the foods that they would eat would encourage the allergy of the body. And I remember being in study rooms or being with girlfriends, and we would just have a good time binging because we didn't know any, any. I mean, we were driven to it by the stress of studying, etc., but also by what the school was feeding us. And there was no, there was, and all of us would go, and that's when diet pills were real popular, and then we would fast for four days and take off five or ten pounds, and then it would all start over again. And that's how we handled the the putting on of ten pounds and taking off ten pounds. So I I what I there's a sense of forgiving our own mental twists when like if any of us had those experiences we didn't know better and the dietitians were creating allergies in the body and at that time there weren't a lot of obese people people were like ten or fifteen pounds overweight. And now, when I when I walk on the drag for the University of Texas, I still see a lot of um, normal bodies. But when I go into the high schools, I don't see. And many of these kids aren't going on to college. They they do not have normal bodies. I mean, the the 
the norm is to be a plus size now. So I don't know how the schools are feeding the kids, and I don't know if high schoolers or grammar school kids are even given this program and how it can be given this program. So it's also, it, it, I don't think it's a, a, I think the society knows better now, but at one time the society didn't know better. And for that, I forgive myself for growing such a mental twist. And with that, I, I pass. Thank you very much. And um, Rachel N.M., please uh, read the next two paragraphs, and uh, you can comment on both of them. Okay. Good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader and anorexic from Ohio. To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to drink a long time, nor take the quantity some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female alcoholics often turn into real, into the real thing and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain drinkers, who would be greatly insulted if called alcoholics, are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential alcoholics among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it. As we look back, we feel we have gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try living liquor alone for one year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers later again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. Um, well, I really appreciated a lot of powerful shares this morning, and um, it's fun to read this paragraph because I can relate so well with it. I am um, young. My my difference between my top weight and my bottom weight is only maybe 35 pounds. I've never been overweight. I have been underweight. Um, and my disease advanced so quickly, I only had it uh, maybe maybe six years before I came, uh, became recovered, six to seven years before I became recovered. Um, however, the, the sentence um, about saying that anybody who thinks they can try for a year, wow, I can relate with that. I, I, I would be one that would probably be within the next day or the next week. Um, even though I have not ever been overweight, my mental twist and my compulsion relates very strongly with this, the, this big book and with uh, stories of people who have been um, hundreds of pounds overweight. 
so this is exciting for any of you newcomers that wonder if you can fit in if you um, have not gone to the extremes that, that some of us have. Um, I can tell you that there is a solution here for um, anorexics as well as compulsive readers, and that the steps work when you work them. That's all I have to share. I pass. Thank you very much, um, Rachel and M. And now Bella. Bella, can you share now? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Anita, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a powerful reading today. And for me, the two words that pops up is the willpower. Yes, you know, before I was in the program, I thought, I believed that I have a willpower. And according to my belief, this is how I behaved. You know, I was busy 24-7 with food. And, you know, my mind was busy all the time only with food. I was eating breakfast and I was thinking I didn't even enjoy my food. I was thinking, oh, so when I am going to eat lunch and what I'm going to eat for lunch and do I have those things? And when I went shopping, my mind was always on food. And my mind told me, you know, Bella, be careful, because if you will not eat, you might die, and you are in danger. And I, I did believe that I have the willpower to stop. I even remember when I went to college, I chose my, my schedule according to where I can eat and when is the perfect time for me to eat, to be alone, that nobody should see me. And I still believe that I have the willpower to stop. I will stop, yes. You know, it's only today. Tomorrow I promise you and I promise to myself that I have the willpower and I will stop. And when I couldn't stop, I still believe that it's because I really don't have the willpower and I am not like other people and I really, I have to be punished because I don't have the willpower. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. And now that I am leaving the 12 steps, I know, yes, I know I am human and I don't have the willpower and I am connected to a higher power that loves me and accepts me the way I am. And yes, thank you, God. I don't have to prove to nobody that I am connected to my power, to my ego. And this is the freedom that today I live in, in, the, in the 12 steps. And I know that it's nothing to do with my willpower. I have one power, the power to choose one day at a time. And now I am choosing to be connected to my higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you very much, Balaji. And Sharon from Colorado, please go ahead. Sharon? Thank you, Anita. Can you hear me okay? Yes, perfect. Okay, thanks. Um, this is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado, and thank you for your service. 
welcome to everyone out on the line. Um, I had thought about, I'm just going to go through a couple of these sentences because this was my dilemma. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I believe that about being an alcoholic. I did not believe that to the core of my being about being a compulsive overeater. And it wasn't until I started listening to this um, phone line meeting and they were in the doctor's opinion that it was sort of like this light just shined into my mind um, <clears throat> that I saw that I truly was a compulsive overeater. And that was not going to change and that I did have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I looked up peculiar and... Um, it said a distinctive characteristic belonging exclusively to one person or group. And I still had the delusional thinking, which is a fixed or dominating false belief that I wasn't one of those. That's why I kept telling myself over and over again, I'll get right back on track. I'll get right back on track. Look, look at there. I, I ate that, but you know, it didn't set me up to be um, <clears throat> binging my brain out. But sooner or later, that's exactly what happened. And I was very young when I first was uh, made aware that I might have a problem because I was 16 and working at Woolworths in the candy counter and I just kept binging out of the box of chocolate-covered nuts and I got uh, confronted by my manager that I was giving candy away to, to other high school kids and I had to, to uh, you know, only by God's grace I was honest at that point and had to admit that it wasn't them, that I, that was what I was doing, I was eating it myself. So... I did have an early warning, which I totally ignored. And so I'm just so grateful to be a part of this program today and that I began listening with a fervor that I hadn't listened to in many, many years and, and followed the guidelines in this big book uh, through the steps. And uh, I truly was set free, and I'm so grateful for that today. And it can it can work for anyone out there on the line. I never weighed 600 pounds. Uh, my problem was 50 pounds, up and down, up and down, up and down for years and years. So anyway, I'm just grateful to be a part of this program. Thank you, Anita, and I pass. Thank you very much. And Terry, please go ahead. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, can you make it a little louder? I'll work on that. Good morning, this is Terry P. from Massachusetts, uh, recovered compulsive overheater and very grateful. I am just filled with electricity to be on this line this morning because I've heard a bunch of really great shares. And, and I just want to say the queer mental twist, I suffered with that endlessly my whole life. Thank you so much. Prior to doing the work as a book, pull that shade I had... Down. I'm sorry? Uh, uh, I, I hear another voice. Somebody's unmuted. You go ahead, Terry. Prior to doing... Terry? Now we've lost you. Terry P. Are you there? I'm back. Okay. <laughs> okay, so prior to doing the steps and becoming unblocked, I had tried to put down sugar 
you know, sugar for me was my binge food growing up. I shoplifted my sugar all the time. You know, prior to even coming into a vision, I had tried to put down the sugar, and a year ago, I got myself caught shoplifting. I was out of my mind. And four to six weeks into working the steps with a vision sponsor, the impulse to want to shoplift was so strong. Queer mental twist, I don't need to shoplift. I don't need to steal food. But it was there. And fortunately, I had support and I called and told on myself because I didn't want to do this again. And, you know, it just got brushed away. And the impulse, the queer mental twist has passed. It's miraculous how this works. And I just want to thank everyone on the line. I am so grateful for this call every morning and for everyone's share. And I just want to say to everyone, do not turn your lights down to make others more comfortable. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we have time for one, maybe two more. Nancy, Ira. Lynn S. Hi, Lynn S. And and Lynn S. Hello, Nasher. Judy F. We're going to run out of time. If you can stay, Judy F., and there was another voice for the second hour. But um, I have time for Nancy R., maybe Lynn S. Go ahead, Nancy R. Hi, good morning, Nancy Ira. Do you hear me? Yes. Hi, good morning. I'm Nancy Ira, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and I'll try to make mine as briefly as I can. Uh, I, I was struck by the reading and the series this morning because I was an overweight uh, kid, an overweight teenager, an overweight adult, and I only got recovery when. Uh, I made a conscious connection with a higher power when God led me to this program. I have two young relatives uh, that I love dearly. They seen me at my top. They seen me in recovery, and uh, I don't try to push it on them. Yeah, at first I, you know, at first I used to drop little hints, but then I had to reflect on my life as an overweight young person. Only when the there's a, there's a saying that says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that's how it was with me. I saw examples abound, but only when I was ready was I able and open to accept the simple program. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much. And Lynette, you will be our last share for this hour. And Good Judy, morning. and there was, and, yes, go ahead, Lynn. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. Just sitting here looking at this to be gravely affected or astonished at their inability to stop had gone on many years. Let them try leaving liquor alone. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. Just reading that, and it was really hitting home with me. And after 17 years of uh, abstinence and some recovery, I was in an eight-year relapse, and I can remember lying on the couch in front of the TV, binging, between eating. Somebody is unmuted, please. I was stuffed to the absolute maximum, and I looked at the clock, and it was 15 minutes in between binging. 
And this was with trying so hard to be abstinent. This is when I was trying so hard to work the program. You know, these, these strange mental twists that we have, the peculiar mental twist centered in our mind, it's a devastating disease. I am so grateful that there is a program of recovery and I'm not stuck on the couch eating every 15 minutes when I so much desperately wanted to stop. With that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Linus. And the rest, please, we have another hour where there will be more wonderful shares. And so we will end this first hour uh, with Julie R. reading a vision for you found on page 164. Hi, thank you for your service. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you tread to the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.